We talked about why some people don't join churches. And I think it's kind of interesting, and we just briefly mentioned them, but let me just give a little bit more detail. Um, the first reason I put, and I put several reasons, are misguided priorities or shallow commitments. And I think it's kind of interesting that in our world, I, I, let me just say by, by my own testimony, my parents, I'm thankful, even though I didn't always appreciate it as a junior higher, I'm thankful looking back that my parents made church a priority for me. And um, it was kind of interesting because sports was my life when I was in junior high, as, as a lot of people. Um, I wrestled from the time I was in kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, our college did not have a wrestling program. It was a small Bible college. We kind of had some intercollegiate type things, but nothing that was a regular team. But I wrestled all the way through. I played basketball all the way through. I, I played soccer a lot, almost all the way through. And uh, But for our family, when it came to wrestling, most tournaments were Saturday-Sunday tournaments. And I missed a lot of tournaments on Sundays because it was a priority of our family to be in church on Sunday. We were committed to our local church. And can I say, I love church. I love it. It's the greatest organization on the face of the earth. I love it. Is it perfect? Not, not by a long shot. There are flaws in church because we deal with flawed people. I'm flawed. You're flawed. You're a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And we bring that sin to the table sometimes, and it's ugly. And so there are no perfect churches. But church was a priority for our family. And there were times, and don't get me wrong, I bucked going to church. Dad, this is a big tournament Sunday. I, gotta, I mean, this is going to really put me ahead. And there came a point along my junior or senior year where the opportunity was given to me. Okay, what do you think is most important? What do you think would please God? Did you have to play the God card? Uh, <laughs> you know, so, but, but because of that, it was instilled within me from the time I was young to the time I was old, older, that church was such a priority that I wanted to please God. And so I chose willingly the, those last couple years to be in church even when there were other things that would vie for my attention. And uh, we've tried to make that priori- priority even in our own family in times. And um, we want church to be a primary thing because it's one of the very things that God gave his life for. It's the very thing that he came to earth for is to see people saved, baptized, and growing in the knowledge of him. And that's accomplished through the church. So I love church. My favorite memories of childhood revolve around the church. Um, I can remember from the time I was, you know, just a little kid going on the father and son retreats and going camping and uh, then going shooting with my dad and the other men in the church and going hunting with my dad and some of the other men in the church. Um, I was that kid that was always at church, even if it wasn't a fun activity. I was there whether they were fun or not. I just loved being there. Uh, I was that kid that was there every Saturday morning washing, washing the buses and working underneath the buses alongside my pastor. And I, when I gripe about my dad or mom, he'd say, Buck up, Todd. Life ain't easy. No one promised you an easy life. It was, it was training. Um, it, was, it was accountability. It was, it was teaching that was constantly given through example and through work. I was there for every work day. I never missed a work day from the time I can remember being a teenager to the present. I don't remember missing a work day. I wanted to be part of it. Um, I know I'm wired differently. I sat in my room as an eighth grade and read Matthew Henry commentary. Um, that was not odd. Um, you know, I, I realize it's strange for me, but I love God's church. I love his people. I love being a part of it. And I think God instilled that within us, a desire to, to belong. But I think a lot of people, when it comes to church membership, they have misguided priorities and shallow commitments. 
I think a lot of Christians, we sing the song, as Johnny Hunt would say, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. We talk about can't wait to get to heaven, but we can't spend more than an hour and a half on Sunday mornings during the week. Seriously? I'm just one of those guys that think you know, we haven't overdone it. We haven't like spent too much time here. Um, but at the same time, we should look forward to that. Look forward to that time in the week. Um, but we're more committed to sports and more committed to everything else than we are to church. And that's why most of us can only stand. I'm not harping on a traditional thing of Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever, whenever your church or other churches meet. But for most, most of us, we, we come Sunday mornings like, oh, I got my fill for the week. I'm good. Okay, well, maybe you can handle that. Um, but I think there's more to life than just showing up on a Sunday morning out of tradition or um, a sense of guilt if you don't. We should want to be here. We should want to be a part of what God has for us. Um, I also understand that there are some negative things, like lack of trust. Sometimes we don't trust people. If I were to poll most of you in this church, I would say that most of you have had an experience in your lifetime where you didn't trust leadership. Most of you have had that at some time or another. I have. You have. And that's where we have to understand that God's in control. And there are times that man tries to usurp God's authority. And I think there are processes in place that, we can, uh, that are established to help guard against some of that. But it's an obvious fact that there are sometimes a lack of trust in church leadership. Their church leadership has done some rotten, despicable things over the years. We see it in the newspapers. Embezzlement. Um, uh, there's just a church down south where the pastor embezzled uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years. And just, you know, that's why I have nothing to do with the money here. I just want you to know, I don't know who gives what. I have no clue. I don't want to know. Um, some people have said, you should know as the pastor. I, I, okay, but I don't. And I don't want to know. It's between you and God. The bottom line is, I, don't, I, I can't write a check here in this church. My name's not on the check lining, signing list, and I don't want it there. I personally don't want it there. I want to keep things above board. I want to be a person who is trustworthy. Um, but not only in the financial areas, but in every area. Um, there's a lack of trust. Sometimes hurtful experiences. And the phrase, phrase you've heard before, I've been stabbed in the back too many times by people who claim to be Christians. Anybody not been stabbed in the back? Right, I don't see any hands. Everybody's been hurt. But if I had a nickel for every time somebody said something about me or did something about something I said, man, I'd be rich. The bottom line is we hurt people and people hurt us. And hurt people hurt people. And it's sad, but it happens. And that's why our trust, that's why our experiences cannot be based on what people do. And, and the whole idea behind going to church is that I'm coming with an expect, expectation that God's going to speak to me and that I'm going to try to apply what he's teaching me this week to where I live every day. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there unfortunately, are people get hurt. So-and-so said something. Yeah, they're human, and they're going to take you off once in a while. They're going to say hurtful things. But that's where you've got to say, you know what, am I going to handle it right, or am I going to handle it wrong? And there's a right way and a wrong way, and we're learning how to deal with it the right way on Sunday nights right now, hint. So if you're not here on Sunday night, I really encourage you to be here because it would be really helpful how to deal with conflicts. We're learning about that. Um, sometimes there's an unwillingness to submit to authority. God has placed church leadership in committed congregations as authority. Not only as authority, and I don't look at it as a pastor being a tyrant, and that's the wrong approach. 
or a dictator. That's wrong. But obviously, as Hebrews 13 says, we give an account for how we lead. And we have to take that gravely. We take that seriously. The last thing I want to do is stand before a righteous, holy God who's just and have to explain why I led people the wrong direction. I don't want to be in those shoes. We take it very serious. And so there's sometimes an unwillingness on the part of people to submit to authority. Well, I don't have to submit to them. What makes them think better than me? Because that's what God has designed. It's not because we want the power. It's not because we want the authority. It's what God has designed as a structure for church leadership. Sometimes there's fear of expectations. If I join the church, they're going to make me go on a mission trip to Africa, and I am not going there. I'm just letting you know. I'd love to go back. I had a blast there. Um, but there's fear of expectations. What, what will be expected of me? You know what? You don't have to do anything for me as a pastor. You don't. But I think God has some expectations for you. Because he says faith without works is what? Dead. God wants you to serve. God wants to be a part of a local body that is doing more. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding of membership's purposes. What are we here for? Is it because, well, we're supposed to be here every week and God's this way God designed it? Well, okay, so pick a different day and do it. I mean, is there a tradition or is it, is it what, what are the reasons behind it? What is the church's purpose? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the next, in the next couple of weeks. And really what a lot of these things come down to is really one word selfishness. I want to do what I want to do. And if you don't think you're that way, yeah, you are. Because we are all that way. It's ingrained within us. We're all sinners. And we do things that please ourselves. That's just the way we are. Um, So selfishness. Um, But Hebrews chapter 10 is where we left off. So I want to start there again. Hebrews chapter 10. I just want to read a couple of these verses, uh, beginning with verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he has opened for us through the curtain. That is his, how often that happens and how often God will use that. Just a little something that somebody has said to encourage you to get through that day, to get through that week. Just to let you know, man, it's, it's a tough week. And, and someone sends you an email, say, hey, you're on my heart. I'm praying for you this week. That's provoking to love. And then the good works Hey, you know, I see you're not. I need some help with this in the church. Would you be willing to help me? Uh, I love that. Um, I see that in Cheryl once in a while, and, and, and helping with uh, Jan Swan. And she says, "Hey, would you like to get involved?" And Jan jumps in both feet. That's provoking to good works. That's saying, "Hey, I see that you're here. You know, would you like to help me with an area?" And doing that. And many of you have done that over the years. And that's that's awesome to consider that God has designed it that way. We're to provoke one another to love and good works. And so that's very important. And then he goes on in verse 25, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, well, is that, the, is that the concrete verse that says, thou shalt attend every Sunday? Well, no, I don't think it is. But here's the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is, is when, man, when there's churches gathering, I want to be there. I want to be a part of it. Well, does that mean if I'm a sinner, if I don't come on Sunday night? No. It doesn't mean that you're, you're a sinner anyway. Besides that, the bottom line is, you know, the bottom line is I want to be there when the doors are there. Because when people, God's people are gathering, I want to be a part of it. I want to worship with them corporately. I want to pray with them corporately. I want to be a part of what God's doing. And that could be any other night of the week. It might be Thursday. It might be Tuesday morning. It might be whenever. But when we know that God's people are gathering, if we have the ability, we should want to be a part of that. Um, when we go on vacation, 
we always go to church. Um, I love seeing what other churches are doing. I love to see what God's doing in those churches. Um, there are churches I still want to be, I want to see you know, before I die. I want to see some of these churches and what God's doing there. But, you know, I, I, you'll laugh a little bit, but uh, any of you ever seen Adrian Rogers on TV? Love Worth Finding, Bellevue Baptist Church, Love Worth Finding. Um, it's in Memphis. It's right down the road from where Don's grandmother used to live. And every year that we went down there, um, I used to go over there over to the church at Bellevue Baptist Church. And, of course, he's got this big pulpit. And I used to stand up there, and you're looking at 6,700 seats. And I used to stand behind that pulpit, and then one of the ladies cleaning the church come in there. She goes, do you have any questions? Do you have any, you know, anything you want to know about the church or anything? And I said, no, nah, I'm just looking, dreaming, talking, looking. <laughs> and I'm looking down at the TVs, and she's looking... She's, she noticed me looking down at the TV. She goes, yeah, he don't pay any attention to those monitors either, you know, on TV every week. But, you know, you know, there are so many things. I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. This is God's church that he died for. Um, so from a practical standpoint, there are many valid reasons to fully commit to church membership, to be a part of it, to go through a membership class. So let me just give you a, a six or seven things why I think membership classes are helpful. And this is what we're going to be doing in the future. Uh, as new people come into the church, we're going to be sitting down with them and going through these classes uh, probably once a year. But membership helps you make your commitment to God clearly known to Christ and his people, and especially in an anti-Christian culture. Um, I think we, because of the culture we live in, I think it's important. Let me just share this word of testimony. Um, years ago, we, we had a fire in our house, and during that fire, it was just a small fire, but we moved to an apartment building for just a, for about a year in Moundsview, Minnesota. And while we were there, we left for church every Sunday morning, just like we always did. We left every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. They knew that we left on Saturdays. We were there at work days. I mean, we we're always going out the door to church. And our next-door neighbor noticed that. And finally they came over one day and they said, what, in the, what, what is it that you're doing every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night? It's like, like clockwork. You guys dress up and go out. And it was really interesting because... Um, that coupled with the obedience of me and my brother Craig, when our parents told us to do something, we did it. Um, but the obedience along with our reputation of going every Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, they said, what, what are you guys doing? And we said, we're going to church. And um, that much? You know, of course, to us it was just habit. You know, you just when the doors are open, we're there. But it's kind of interesting that they were watching us. And every week they were watching us, month after month after month. And finally the vicarious family came over and says, we got to have what you've got. And trust me, if I've, you've heard me say a million times our family is dysfunctional, we invented the word. Um, if there would have been titles in, you know, when I was in junior high, I would have had them all. Um, hyper, you know, but we obeyed and we followed God and they observed it. And then they started coming to our church, and then they were saved, and then they were baptized, and they were added to the church through a testimony of just being faithful. In a culture where almost everything else is more important, they could see that church was important to us. Not because of who the pastor was. He's long gone. Not because of what they did. They've changed what they do. All churches go through periods of change. But it was because it was something bigger than ourselves. It was part of being god being part of God's family. I think membership helps us demonstrate a commitment to a, uh, in a culture of low or no commitment. 
I, I think that's very valid. People aren't committed to a whole lot of things. You say, well, can I be committed Christian and not go to church? I think you can to a degree, but not fully. I don't think you can. I think uh, you, you need churches because in Ephesians 4, he says he gave some pastors, preachers, evangelists, so bishops, so forth, to do what? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. How are you going to be equipped if you're not in church? We study together. We hold each other accountable for our life's actions. We learn how to deal with each other's sin issues. We learn what, what the Great Commission is all about and Great Commandment. And we learn the Bible and we learn how to put it into practice. And most people are far too underdisciplined to study those things on their own. And not that church will give you everything because it won't. It can't. But church helps us in a systematic way to keep growing. Membership to a local body increases productivity in God's work. The more people involved, you know the phrase, many hands make light work. When we talk about 67 million people in the Northeast and across our state, 87% of people unsaved unchurched, if we don't come together as a church body and learn how to share our faith, and let me just say in October I'm doing some personal training, and in January we're having a fellow come in that's going to talk about lifestyle evangelism, how to talk just everyday conversations into things of God. We need to learn to do this because it is not going to happen by itself. Am I right? People don't typically say, oh man, I'm glad you came to my house. I was just waiting for you. You know, if anything, people are saying, what are you doing in my house? Get off my yard. Get out of here. We've, we've experienced that, just inviting people to church. But the bottom line is, it's life-touching life. And when you're a part of something bigger, you're more confident and you're, you're trained to do what God has asked you to do. To be able to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. I think membership naturally strengthens the relationship between the leadership and the members. Um, I'm, I've said for a long time, I'm not a normal pastor. You guys have figured that out, right? Um, I'm just not that way. I'm not wired the same as a lot of pastors. I'm wired differently. I, I'm a hands-on guy. I'm a people person. I like to get in people's lives. And But I personally, in my first church, I was, I was, um, I was encouraged not to get close to people. The pastor said, I don't want you getting close to people. I don't want you get. He said, no, I just don't want to see it. And he said, if I see you getting too close, he goes, I'm going to let you know. I, I battled that. Because that's not me, as you all know. <laughs> I get in people's lives and they see the mess, and you see our mess, and we, we do messes together because life is messy. It is what it is. But here's the deal. You can't know what the needs of people are if you're not close to them. Is that true? I mean, how often can... I'm just saying, how often do you see a pastor willing to spend all night at a hospital, take a shower and go to church with no sleeping? That's life-touching life. That's getting in people's business. And there's times that people have said to me, Pastor, did you mean to say what you said? Well, what did you hear? Oh, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but how would I know that unless you're close enough to ask me those things? And me asking you, did you do this this week? How's your relationship? I also appreciate about Mike. Mike, is, uh, is that something that should have been said? No, but I feel better for saying it, though I didn't say that part. No, <laughs> no. see, that's, that's life-touching life. That's getting in each other's um, life and, and learning how to serve people needs. And, be, and I think, personally, a lot of pastors across the United States need to learn a dose of transparency because you're not perfect. Um, my first pulpit committee meeting, when I first 
was ordained and went to my first church was a room full of people. They said, well, Pastor Ken, tell us one of your flaws. I sat there for a second. I said, well, if you tick me off, I'm going to deck you. The one lady, I said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I said, if you cut me, I'll bleed red just like you. I'm normal. I'm not super, super spiritual Christian saint because I'm a pastor. I'm normal. I am still a sinner saved by grace trying to do what God's asked me to do. Am I perfect? No. You've observed that. Um, there are times that I get upset. There's times I get frustrated. There's times I've got to go back and say, you know what, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? We're not perfect. Um, but membership allows us to draw close to keep each other accountable and on the right track towards God. Um, I think membership allows you to serve God more faithfully, utilizing your spiritual gifts to the maximum potential. Um, how many of you, if just by raise of hands, are doing things today that you said before you were a Christian you had never been doing? Yeah, all kinds of people. Wayne, could you see yourself five years ago playing in, the, in a worship team? No. Um, right, you're in, you're in a bar playing somewhere. But you know, that's the thing. It's amazing how God allows you to see your potential start growing and God begins to shape your life and he says boy there's some things that you could do that you didn't know you could do and if you knew you could do it you'd be doing it in your own strength but since you didn't know you could do it and I'm telling you to do it you're gonna have to rely on me for it there's a lot of people in this room in that situation and um, being a part of something allows our potential to come out and God to begin to use us in ways that we would have never dreamed had we not committed ourselves to the body. Um, membership gives you the opportunity to make promises to God and fulfill your commitments to God. Um, many of you, probably eons ago, that joined the church years and years and years ago, were read something called a church covenant. Anybody remember that? When's the last time you read that? Are they in our bulletins, or I mean our hymn books now? The back of the book? Um, you know what? Take that book out in front of you. If there's a hymn book, take it out. I want to grab one here. Somewhere. Oh, here we go. Thank you. Maybe. Oh, here it is. Second to last page. Church Covenant. And this is an amazing thing because this is one thing that those of you that have come into the church fellowship underneath me, We've gone through this. I just want to read through it real quickly. And this is our covenant of our church. As a bond of unity among us, this church accepts for its members the following covenant. Having been led by the Holy Spirit to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on our profession of our faith in Him, having been baptized by immersion in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we do most solemnly and joyfully enter into a covenant with one another as one body in Christ. Membership is about covenanting together into a body led by Jesus Christ, a body of saved believers, baptized believers. It says we promise, and that's what we talked about, membership gives you the opportunity to make promises to God and, uh, and fulfill your commitments to Him. It says we promise that we will watch over and counsel one another in the spirit of brotherly love, that we will remember one another in our prayers, and that we will aid each other in sickness and in distress. When we come into the body of Christ, that's a covenant that we that we take as a member. We further agree by the set of the, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, 
to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to give it sacred preeminence over all institutions of human origin, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the brethren in need, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. Those are some big promises. We further covenant to maintain family and private devotions, to train our children according to the word of God, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to live carefully in this present world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in the deportment to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and unrighteous anger, to abstain from everything that will cause our brother to stumble or that will be, bring reproach upon the cause of Christ, and that we will strive to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that amidst evil and good report we will humbly and earnestly seek to live to the honor and glory of him who loved us and gave himself for us. And here's interesting, we talked about a little bit last week, about going from one church to another. We moreover purpose that when we remove from this place, we will as soon as possible write or unite with some other church of like faith and order, where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. In the event there is no such church, we shall seek with the Lord's help to establish one. That's a covenant that this church took on years and years and years ago to its members coming in. Some of you may have forgotten that it's there. And some of you may have not abided by it. But being a part of something says, I'm going to commit to it for the glory of God. And this is what it means. Um, And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the series as well. Uh, Then membership allows you to be an important part of something bigger than yourself. Um, I I know people, and let me say in advance, I'm not bashing the other organizations by any stretch. It's not my intent. But I know people who are more committed to the local Kiwanis or, you know, Elks Lodge or whatever they are. There's tons of different organizations. And I'm not saying they're bad. But this is the most sacred awesome organization that's ever been established is the church. And when we're more committed to those other things than we are God, we have to check ourselves and see what's most important in our lives. So in the future, um, we're, we're going to institute a membership class um, where we're going to learn foundational biblical truths. Uh, membership class will help you understand the church's purpose, mission, and, um, and wholeheartedly commit to that. Um, Someone once came up to me, and in just a moment I'm going to read a little bit of the church history, and then we're going to close with a testimony um, of one of our members and how God brought them into this body of believers. But just for a moment, I want to share these two, two statements that someone came up to me. When I was pastor in, um, in uh, Tippecanoe, um, someone came up to me and they said, I don't need to be a member of a church. I can get everything I need from listening to a good preacher on TV. And I sat there just for a moment, and I said, do you really believe that? She goes, yes, I do. I mean, there's some great, t- great preachers on TV. She goes, I can get some phenomenal preaching on TV. And I said, you, you are absolutely right. But I said, let me ask you a question. Um, when your husband is having a heart attack and in the hospital, is that TV preacher going to be there? When your granddaughter gets married, is that TV preacher going to come do the ceremony? When your neighbor, you know, is going through a difficult time and they need the help of the church, is that TV preacher and his body going to come help you? 
No. You see, it's not about what I can get. Here's the second thing someone said to me. I can get the same thing by coming to a church and not being a member as I can by coming to a church being a member. And I said, you're absolutely right. I'm not going to treat a non-member any differently than I will a member in most cases. You can get everything right. You sure can. But it's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. And I found over the years that there is a blessing to being able to give to God and His people and to be a part of something bigger than myself. Um, and I'll kind of close in just a moment. I want, I'm not going to read the entire seven pages or six pages, whatever it is, but I want to read just a couple things for those of you that may be newer to our fellowship and how this church was established. And I'm going to say a couple blessings about a couple things that happened along the way, and then we'll close with a testimony. The Henrietta Regular Baptist Church, which we used to be, we'll talk about that in a moment, was started due to the desire of several families who lived in Henrietta but attended Faith Baptist Church in North Chile to have a separated fundamental Bible-believing church in this area. They contacted FBHM, which was Fellowship of Baptists for Home Missions, and requested their help. Under the auspice of Faith Baptist Church, Fred Hensler, being the pastor at that time, our church was born. Gary Newhart and his wife Nancy, then missionaries with FBHM, began weekly Bible studies in October of 72. That's when I was born, in 72. That's a long time ago. Yeah, right. Which were held in the homes of these families. So for those of you that don't like small group ministry in homes, that's how this church was started. Just so you know. And we're going to be talking about that later in the series too. The name Henrietta Regular Baptist was chosen by a group. The word regular was included to reflect our separatist position against liberalism. The first Sunday service was held in Xerox Cafeteria on Jefferson Road um, on January 7th, 1973. Shortly thereafter, they entered an old, they rented the old YMCA building at the corner of Lehigh Station and East Henrietta Roads. On April 18, 1973, the fellowship accepted its new constitution and officially declared itself to be a church. There were 21 charter members representing seven families, and the church was legally incorporated as of September 6, 1973. As of September 24, 2006, there are no original charter members left in the church at this time. In May of 1973, the church purchased 3.4 acres of land at 1125 Cockins Road. Uh, Cheryl, do you know where that land came from? Yeah. Wasn't your mom a part of that? Oh, the second part. Oh, the second part. Oh, okay. Um, Cheryl's mother had the opportunity to be a part of, sold some other land that came, eventually came under Henrietta Regular Baptist Church. It's kind of neat. Um, by faith, in September of 1973, we broke ground for the first part of the present building, which was just from that back wall to here, I understand. That wall, that way. Okay, my, my bad. So it was from the wall back that way. And so, uh, anyway, and then the second phase was this side. Okay, so uh, the new building in February, it was completely furnished or finished inside. The first service was held in the new building in February of 74. And it's kind of interesting. It was not completely furnished when, it, when they met. But right after that, the YMCA building that they had rented burnt down. Just amazing God's timing and all that. Even though it wasn't completely done, they met. And then the YMCA building burnt down right after that. So it's kind of interesting God's timing in it. 
And construction began in October of 75 on the second phase of the building program to complete the present facilities. Sunday school classes were held in the new addition in February of 76, and when the base, or when the basement was finished. Even though the new auditorium was not yet finished, our first baptismal service was held on July 4, 1976. The first services were held in the auditorium in September of 76, and the dedication service was held in October. On February 8, 1976, Gary left his mission status and was confirmed to remain as our pastor. In May 16, 1976, we graduated from mission status to self-supporting status. Um, I'm going to skip a few of the details in the next couple pages. In February of 2000, Pastor Newhart became director of IGM, which is now International Gospel Missions, based in Rochester, New York. In January of 2001, he resigned the position of being our pastor-teacher to focus his full attention on his responsibilities, effective March 18, 2001. A special dinner and program were held that, that weekend. A memory book was presented and a monetary gift was given as a tribute to the 28 years of ministry here. And can I just say 28 years in any place by any pastor is an anomaly anymore. It really is. And God has blessed this church with men who have stayed for a good bit of time. Um, pastor Gary for 28 years. Saunders for nine years. Yeah, I'm the weak one. It's only a couple years, so four years. Almost. So truly, this was the end of an era of life for HRBC since Pastor Newhart had been our only shepherding pastor until that time. On September of 23, 2001, Pastor James Saunders with his wife Janet began ministry as our new shepherding pastor, bringing a renewed vision and enthusiasm to HRBC. An official installation service was held October 28, 2001. Many area churches were invited to this history-changing event and two special speakers presented biblical challenges, one to Pastor Saunders and the other to the congregation. And then he was here, a few things were accomplished, some renovations were done, some classes were changed around a little bit. And then in October of 2010, Pastor Saunders retired, and he and Pastor Crawford tendered their resignations as pastors. Um, in November of 2010, we voted to call Ken Todd, as pastor from New Palestine, Indiana, as our next shepherding pastor. Um, I and my family arrived here to begin ministry in early January in 2011. In April, there was an installation service for me. Uh, many of our area pastors were in attendance. Jim Mates was acknowledged for his service as interim pulpit supply. Pastor Dave Single of Indiana presented the challenge to Pastor Ken in the church. Chris Pillay from Living Hope Baptist Church in Geneva presented special music. And in July 2011, we voted to change the church's name from Henrietta Regular Baptist Church to Harvest Bible Fellowship. Um, so we haven't always been Harvest Bible, and many of you know that, unless you've only come in the last year or two. Um, it's kind of interesting, because we had a lot of fun with that. We really did. Um, we opened up the name for anybody in the entire church. If you have an idea for a name, submit it. So I think at first there was about 30 different names, and then we narrowed it to like 25, and then we went from 25 to 10, and like from 10 to 5, 10 to, you know, from 5 to 3 to 2 to 1, and then finally, when it came down to the final one, we voted to unanimously accept that. It was kind of neat how we, we took something that was historic almost and, and made it relevant to the point that you know, we had fun doing it. And, and of course, the, we still get some snickers when you say you're part of uh, um, Henrietta Regular Baptist Church. Oh, some of you are unregular. Um, you know, so it was kind of interesting. All kinds of conversations that came about just from a simple name. And Harvest Bible, is, uh, it just says a lot in its name as well, and we'll deal with that as later in the series as well. 
Um, April 14th, and I'm almost done, April 14th, 2013, we voted to fellowship with the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, to me, that has been a huge thing for our church. Um, I, I have to admit, I, I love being a part of something bigger than myself. Um, it doesn't mean that we are disregarded by others, although it is what it is. Um, but I saw within the SBC a group of people who were trying to do everything they could to reach the lost. Um, I can't tell you the blessings that they've been to me as a person, let alone as our church. Um, some of you may not realize this. Over the last, I said a couple of weeks ago, over the last three and a half, almost four years now, we've had three or four mission teams come to us. That was all directly connected to SBC involvement. Um, the group that came last uh, August, this past August, they are already committing to come to us next August and do some other work projects for us. Um, but more than that, more than the work stuff, the the trailer that we use every time we do a, a outreach, that is the bounce house and the ICs and the you know cotton candy and the popcorn machines and the bounce house and all those things, that belongs to the SBC, our local fellowship. And if you're part of the fellowship, even before we were part of it, they're because of their goal of reaching the lost, they let us use it before we were part of it. But I saw within them a desire to see people come to know Christ. And these things that they give us are just tools to help us do that. That's all they are. They're just tools. But let me just say on the flip side of that, and Penny, you can't answer. Do you know what it costs to rent all that stuff if we didn't have that fellowship? Go rent a popcorn machine for a weekend. Go rent a bounce house for a weekend. Go rent a cotton candy machine for a weekend. Just those three things, you're in around 1000 bucks already for a day of use. And because of the fellowship and the unity, the tools that they have, we're allowed to use them free of charge. The SBC connection has been huge for us. But not only that, I needed tracks. I went over there. He goes, here's a box. Um, I, he gave us Bibles to pass out. We went through about three boxes already over the last couple of years. When we need things, they're willing, and if they're able, they do it. I love the fellowship that we have because of that connection. And I think that's been really good for us as a church, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, I want to close this morning um, just by asking one of our members what it was like coming to this church years ago and seeing um, a place that they could fit in and serve the Lord. So, Penny, if you'd come at this time, if you want to just stand there by that microphone, you're welcome to do that. Or... Well, Pastor Ken talked to me on Friday afternoon. <laughs> he says, I, I, would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit on Sunday morning? Oh, okay. Uh, something about church membership and the history of the church here. And the first thing that came to my mind was the first time that I ever came here. And uh, so I told him about that. He goes, yeah, that's a story people should hear. So here it is. Uh, <laughs> I was a young mom. Uh, with three kids. Ben was seven, Becca was five, and Sarah was only three years old. And the church that I had been a member of for about ten years um, had just gone through a time of very bitter dissension and um, conflict between the pastor and the deacon's board. And out of that conflict, the church split, um, exploded, really. Uh, About three-quarters of the membership just went in all directions. And there were about 
12 adults and probably about the same number of kids um, meeting together in rented facilities in a church uh, that had morning services but not evening services. So we were meeting in the evening. And um, somebody had the idea that we should take this group of 12 people and transplant them as a lump into another church. Bad idea. <laughs> now that I look back, I'm so thankful the Lord didn't allow that to happen. But uh, the plan was that we were going to go around on Sunday mornings and we were going to visit all of the fundamental Baptist churches in pretty much the county. <laughs> and uh, we would all go and we would go to that church once and then we would come back and in the evening we would talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. And over a process of a number of months of doing that, we were all supposed to come to unity about which church we could transplant this little broken body of believers into. Well, we went into some small churches. We went into some large churches. Oh, I forgot the other thing. We were never supposed to go back to the, second, to the church for a second time until we'd gone to all of them once. Those were the rules. Uh, we went to some big churches downtown. We went to one big old stone church that was so huge that our little group and their little group hardly filled one tiny little corner of it. It was just a big empty thing. Um, some big churches with five, six hundred members, um, some small churches. And in December of that year, we came here. And it was right before Christmas. Um, I walked in the door and immediately saw a couple people I knew, which was neat. Um, Everyone else was very friendly. They they helped the kids find where they were supposed to be for Sunday school. Um, Little Sarah, at three years old, ended up in Janet Saunders' Sunday school class, and because it was right before Christmas, uh, Janet was giving everybody a little stuffed animal Christmas present. And Sarah was so thrilled (laughs) when she got that. She was sold. And uh, the kids, the other two, found, I think, some kids that they knew in their Sunday school classes. And that was really neat for me because we had just, in this visitation time, had been to a church where I'd never been, We, none of us had ever been, and they showed me where the kids were supposed to go to Sunday school, and I took them down and dropped each one in their class. And then they were supposed to, I guess, do something at the end of Sunday school and on the way to church, but nobody ever told them what to do. And I went out into the stairwell between Sunday school and church and found Ben. And sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you, but he was only seven. (laughs) And he was standing there in the stairwell crying because they told him his class was over, but they didn't tell him where to go. So he didn't know where he was supposed to be. Well, the week or two after we were here, I think we took off for Christmas and New Year's, but then we were supposed to go out to a church way out in Spencerport, Brockport, somewhere like that. And I'm thinking about it's just me because my husband has also stopped attending during this split. So it was just me with the three kids going around, and now they wanted me to drive all the way to Spencerport in the middle of the winter with three kids to yet another church I'd never been in, and I got a little rebellious. (laughs) I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going back to that church in Henrietta, because it's close, and I liked it, and everyone was friendly. 
and the kids felt at home and I felt at home and I'm going back there. And I told the guy that was in charge, he says, oh, we haven't gone through all our churches yet. And I said, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Not doing that anymore. So we came here and we've been coming here ever since. That was almost 26 years ago. (laughs) And uh, Pastor Newhart was the pastor at that time. This room was yellow. The rug was yellow. There were pews and they were yellow. (laughs) That room out there was known as the blue room because it was blue. (laughs) But, um, yeah. (laughs) I made a lot of friends very quickly because this was a friendly place and people reached out. And I can remember sitting here every morning before the service started and looking around and I had a little cheat sheet and I put down everybody's names and who they're spouse was and who their children were and boy it took me a long time to get the Cosgrove Knox clan straightened out (laughs) but uh, trying to remember who everybody was and um, the kids got involved in classes and they had some fantastic Sunday school and junior church teachers over the years they learned so much doctrine and it was just fun silly songs with Mike (laughs) but um, They learned so many things, and I'm thankful for the part that the godly teachers here had in their growing up and still being here, except for the one that got married and moved to Syracuse. Uh, (laughs) um, And the things that I got to do. I started out after a while teaching twos and threes, and I taught fours and fives for a while. Then I helped out with the older kids for a while. Then... I had teenagers for a while, and it's just been neat to to have so many opportunities for ministry and to sit under so many good teachers and the things that I've learned over the years that have made a huge impact in my life. And we had some great times. We had some kind of not-so-great times. Um, The years have gone by, 26 years. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) But now my grandchildren are here, and that's exciting that they're still a part of this church and going on and growing up here. And uh, about four years ago, when the Todds came here, that was almost like somebody opened a window and let a little fresh air come in through. (laughs) And um, it's been a real blessing to me the last couple of years as I've had the opportunity to take part in the Harvest fellowship every fall and the festival of lights every december what a blessing that has been and the other ministries that i've seen grow up about the same time cookies for christ some of the other things that we have been doing every year now and to hear pastor ken tell about that that people go oh you're that church that does that that's that's huge and i'm thankful for that and i'm thankful for the fact that this is still a friendly church and people are still like family here And I had several people say to me two weeks ago when I was working for the Harvest Fest, well, this is such a nice, friendly church. Everybody is so open and so willing to talk. And that's huge. That's what brought me here 26 years ago, and it's still true today. So I thank God for his faithfulness in keeping this church on that course. So my question today is, how does God want to use you in this local body? It's not perfect. 
but it is God's, and we're growing. And uh, I believe that God would have every one of you to be part of it. First um, Corinthians 3 says he places everyone into the body as he sees fit. And if you're here, it's not by accident. I believe that God has a plan. And uh, the question is, how will God want to use you? Um, I'd love to see God do some great things. I, I'm one of those people that don't think our best years are behind us. I think our best years are out in front of us. And um, where are they? Are they still here or do they slip out? Hags, are they here? They're downstairs serving. They came in on a festival of lights last year. By chance, they drove through here, saw the lights, came inside and helped make some Christmas ornaments, ate some cookies and drank some hot chocolate, and they haven't hardly missed a Sunday since. Just little things. And we say it all the time. It's all about building relationships so that we can invite people to the most important relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? Otherwise, it's just stuff on a calendar. And we don't want to do stuff on a calendar. We want to serve God. We want to grow together. We want to love, love God, serve people, and grow together. It's our mission. Love God, serve people, grow together. And we all have some growing to do. None of us has arrived yet. But how does God want you to be used? Let's pray.